fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final What is going on? Your boy, the Wolf of Roastby, RoastbyJoe.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Here with your week six waiver wire. I believe we're already here. We are already nearing the midpoint of our 2023 season. And it is time. This is all weeks since probably week one, one of the craziest waiver wires. There's tons of carnage, tons of injuries, unfortunately, that we do need to dive into. And that will help us inform who to pick up. But this is often the case. You'll have one of these just crazy, I like to call them the carnage weeks, where somebody is going to emerge as a bona fide league winner. I have some strong leanings as to who I think that's going to be. I'm going to present at least 10 names, though, who it really could be. Let you guys make your own informed decisions. We'll talk about all the fab to put on all these guys. But thank you again so much for coming in here on your Tuesday nights, listening in. Hopefully you get something out of this and figure out who you would like to pick up. Now, before we dive into the guys that are under 50% owned, as always, I'd like to start with a couple first checks. I'm not going to spend much time here, though. Josh Palmer, clear-cut number two right now for this Chargers offense, making that really clutch deep down the sidelines grab to win that game, showed amazing trust from Justin Herbert there, and he was open all day, really like Josh Palmer, clearly carving out a nice role in one of the best offenses, certainly best passing offenses in the league. So check out Palmer. JSN, I know he's on absolutely nothing. Lowest dot in the league at wide receiver, completely misused so far. It's all about the stash, baby. Tons of people cutting Jackson Smith and Jigba heading into the bye last week. This kid is so talented. Don't forget that he outplayed, outproduced Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, but they were all on the same team together at OSU. He was the main player, JSN was. So definitely check him out. See if the impatient owner dropped him. You can't use him. I understand that. But the ultimate wide receiver handcuff should something happen to DK or Tyler Lockett. And just so talented that often as we see coming out of the bye, these rookies get schemed into bigger roles. Wouldn't be shocked at all to see him really pick it up. He tore up camp. It's time for him to really take off. And then last but not least, of course, Jaleel McLaughlin coming off yet another touchdown, three out of five games. He scored looking so explosive. I know Javante's practicing in full. There's rumblings, though, that they might turn the keys over completely to Jaleel McLaughlin, given how impressive he has looked. So definitely make sure he is still rostered. And if somebody drops him because of the Javante news, scoop him right up. This kid is special. All righty, Wolfpack, that wraps up the quick First check, told you I'd be fast there. If you don't mind that thumbs up button while you're getting in here, as the crowd is growing, mean the world, let us get out to more people. Get all those questions, 15 already in the mailbag. You love to see it, so keep those coming up. And if you're catching the replay, comment on the broadcast. I will make sure to answer all the questions that come through here, as I always try to do. But thanks again for being here. Let's dive in. At number 10 on my list, a tie between two rookies, one who's a little bit more immediately usable, both containing long-term upside. Now, I do think Rasheed Rice, 39% rostered, is the guy I would go to first here. And I am just so impressed. Fourth on the Chiefs receivers and snaps, and yet first among this group of boneheads in catches, yards, touchdowns, and of course, fantasy points. They are adding up. He scored his second touchdown of the year, a go-ahead score. Crucial moment. Mahomes goes to his rookie. Rasheed Rice comes through barreling in the end zone despite having a bunch of defenders around him. Skymore sucks. Kadarius Tony doing nothing. Probably sucks too. Of all the wide receivers here, if somebody's going to emerge with a true every down role, I imagine it's Rice. Now, the, the snaps have been all over the place. Definitely you know, disconcerting that he went backwards in snap share this past week, backwards in route share, but he just continues to produce even while he's not out on the field. He is just a beast. Solid size, 41-inch vertical, and he's the one that's actually getting it done. Plus, you get Denver's awful defense. You only need 35% of the routes to get it done against them, but I do really think Rasheed Rice could carve out that every down roll. So definitely check for him. A lot of impatient owners also dropping Quentin Johnson, similar to the JSN first check. This could be coming out the bye where they scheme this kid up 
and start to really get him involved. Now, he's been kind of a square peg jammed to a round hole so far where they're trying to make him go for those big vertical contested grabs. That's not his thing. I know Mike Williams, they look similar at big body and streaking speed, but that's not what Johnson does to perfection. What he is used best is when he's oftentimes slot, but really dangerous after the catch. We cited this. Go back to the week four waiver show if you want a few more details. But one of the most impressive yards after the catch per receptions in college history. The kid is so dangerous when the ball's in his hand and he can make some things happen. Moves much more agile than a man his size ever should be able to. So I imagine Kellen Moore, really smart play caller, knows how to use his talents the right way. I think his role, Quentin Johnson, will continue to grow a lot. One of the highest dropped wide receivers entering this last bye. I think he'll be out there in a bunch of leagues. Go check for him. Now, after these guys, you want just someone you can plug right into your lineup, not have to wait for the rookie to develop. Curtis Samuel, 18% rostered. I think he's definitely worth a $6 bid here. Should he be lingering in your waiver wire? Wide receiver 11 and wide receiver 12 after scoring 18 and 19 fantasy points in back-to-back weeks, really carving himself out a nice role in this Eric Bieniemy offense. We know Sam Howell at this point. Loves to target the middle of the field, the higher percentage throws, whether it's Curtis Samuel or another guy we're about to talk about in just a few players. It's the higher percentage stuff that Howell just feels comfortable with, and that's why Dotson, Terry McLaurin, they're struggling right now. While Samuel is picking up the slack completely, he's run at least 70% of the routes every single week. He's kind of playing that Jarek McKinnon-style role, a lot of backfield snaps, a lot of motion going all over the place. A lot of people thought that'd be Antonio Gibson, but it really turned out to be Curtis Samuel so far. And so I don't know why we're not treating him like the ninth, 10th round pick that everybody thought Antonio Gibson deserved to be, myself included. PPR value is through the roof here, at least in terms of his relative waiver wire. A good bet for eight-ish catches a week, given how often he is going to be targeted here. Just versatile baller dating back to those Ohio State days. Was a, a running back receiver hybrid, Percy Harvin clone. A lot of people were calling him. And enemy is scheming it up to perfection right now. So Curtis Samuel, definitely a very usable player that's out there in a ton of leagues and doesn't really get talked about because it's not sexy. It's not a rookie. It's not the unknown. We know who Curtis Samuel is. He's just being used better than he ever has as of right now, and nobody seems to want to pay attention. Speaking of sexy rookies, though, Josh Downs, only 9% rostered. Another guy worth 5 6 maybe even $10, depending on how bad you need a wide receiver. He had six catches, 97 yards, leading the Colts, 15.7 PPR points, his season high so far. And the big thing is, as awful as it is that Anthony Richardson got hurt, such an electric player, speedy recovery. Let's get back on the field. I'd love to watch this kid. Sucks that he's out. Josh Downs does a whole lot better without Anthony Richardson because Gardner Minshew loves peppering the slot guy. 24.2% target rate in weeks two, three, and five combined compared to 12.9% target rate in weeks one through four. That's that courtesy of Nathan Yankee over there at PFF. Great, great analyst over there. Uh, So with Richardson out for at least a few weeks, they're saying right now with that sprained AC joint, Who knows exactly how long it will linger, but I bet the short-term IR is going to be heavily considered here. It's really impressive what Josh Downs has done with Gardner Minshew here. Seems to only be going upwards on that trend and trajectory. Matt Harmon, one of my favorite wide receiver analysts in the game, the reception perception king, he loved, loved, loved Josh Downs, as did Scott Barrett, two of my favorite guys at evaluating the position, Colts Reggie Wayne, the hot wide receiver coach, says that they considered Josh Downs the number one receiver of this class. A lot of people citing how impressive he is despite his small size, 5'9", 170, great at the contested grabs, good deep speed. Clearly what we're seeing on tape so far is that shiftiness, getting wide open over the middle of the field, understanding the zones, dropping when he needs to. A smart QB like Gardner Minshew is really peppering him and finding him here. So if you need an immediate injection of some nice PPR upside, Josh Down is a very, very impressive rookie. Now, that is some of my top receivers. The number one guy is still yet to come. But, Wolfpack, if you're enjoying this, please do consider, again, the thumbs up. We really, really do greatly appreciate it. And if you're new here, catching the replay, comment, let me know. Sub, we'd love to. We're climbing towards 5K. Who knows if we'll hit it this year? But you guys are awesome. You mean the world. I love being here with you every Tuesday. Moving forward, though, we talked about the commanders. Again, now, 
number one in pass rate over expectation. It's creating a ton of volume for all the pass catchers here, including Logan Thomas, who looks as good as he has in the two last years. Remember, just two seasons ago, this was a lock top six tight end, one of the biggest breakouts in fantasy. Everybody loved him. And convenient tight end six right now in fantasy points per game, 11.6 average right now. That's above George Kittle, even after his three-touchdown explosion. That's above Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram. Logan Thomas is thriving right now. And don't look any closer than what he just did last week. 11 targets, 11, 11. Let me say it again, 11 targets, nine catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. He had more targets and catches than Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson combined insane how highly used he is and yeah we all kind of joked Eric the enemy you know he doesn't have a Travis Kelsey here but he will scheme the tight end he's using him like it is Travis Kelsey and he's not producing like Travis Kelsey because news alert Logan Thomas is not Travis Kelsey we understand that you shouldn't expect that at all but the 11 targets I mean this is truly one of the highest volume positions at that tight for tight ends where you can never find consistency or catches, or it's so volatile. You're mostly a touchdown or bust here, this position. But no, Logan Thomas, he's had two games now, two of four games. He missed one where he's had 23% and 25% target share. Both of them were team highs in those games. The commander's ranked fifth right now in total tight end targets at 47. Thomas is getting the volume. He's doing a ton of solid work with it. He looks as agile and nimble as he has in multiple years. The guy's a beast at a position where it is so hard to find it. Only 17% rostered. I suggest about 10 to $15 bids, 10 to 15% of your fab. But if you're tight end desperate, and really, who isn't this year? You could really push this one up to 20 if you want to try to gain that edge. I don't know that you'll get a, a Mark Andrews, a TJ Hawkinson level of consistency, but I bet you you're getting six to seven catches, uh, potentially at least targets on that. And that's really, really rare at the tight end position. So definitely check out Logan Thomas if you're tight end needy. Did want to shout out Dalton Schultz as well. 30% rostered right now. I loved him coming into the year. And we're starting to see he was about a 50% route player early in the season. But now back-to-back weeks with 70% or higher route share. And back-to-back weeks with 18 or more fantasy points. Any piece attached to C.J. Stroud right now who's on pace to smash the rookie season record for passing yards, smash Andrew Luck by nearly 600 yards. He's on pace. He just shot for 5K passing yards so far. The kid is electric, and they're only getting better. The line's only getting healthier, and Dalton Schultz is only getting more and more involved. Like I said, 18 and 19 points in back-to-back games. So if you miss on Logan Thomas or you want to just monopolize the waiver wire tight ends, those are the two guys you definitely should look to first. Moving upwards and onwards, this is a running back heavy week. We haven't talked about any backs, but let's now dive in to some running backs to look at. Justice Hill, 28% rostered, cut by a ton of people after some lackluster weeks. He's reminding us, not so fast with all this Keaton Mitchell hype, potentially. Hill has 11 touches, 45 yards, and gets that first touchdown of the game. More importantly, the clear-cut pass catching back here, four catches on four targets, uh, definitely the only only running back this week to catch the ball. And Gus Edwards is a capable receiver, but it's clear they trust Justice Hill far more in that role. And that's resulted now in Justice Hill seeing 55% of the snaps this week, 54% in week two. In week four, he got hurt week three. So it, you know, it doesn't really necessarily tell us what his role will be week to week. But in three of the but two of the last three games, he's been active with Gus Edwards. He's been the lead guy in terms of snap share, certainly in terms of receiving share. We now saw him finish with, uh, again, 32 rushing, 13 receiving, and that score. This last week, Edwards doing his thing, 48 rushing yards, 42% of the snaps. But if there's somebody getting more valuable touches, to me, it looks like Justice Hill, who's, for whatever reason, more involved with the goal line right now than Gus Edwards, that butts. So, Something to keep out your eyes out for. Now, if someone's going to lose the role here, though, between Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, my guess is would it be Hill to Keaton Mitchell, who is one of the fastest backs in the league, third fastest of this class behind the explosive, historically fast Devon H. Han, the fastest player in the NFL so far this season, 22 miles per hour carries. Uh, and then, of course, Jameer Gibbs, number three in speed. Mitchell comes in right after them. We talked about him at length last week. Didn't end up getting activated, but still a very high upside stash, especially if you have nobody else for your IR spot. Hill playing as well as he is does have me a little bit less bullish on Keaton Mitchell, but that is an upside lightning stab. He was so good in the preseason. 
uh, before going down here. So I definitely think Mitchell still deserves that IR roster spot, but a little less excited about him after seeing Justice Hill continue to perform. Uh, now has 13, 8, and 15 fantasy points in three of the four games. He's been active, very useful in those contests. So consider him over Keaton Mitchell at this point. Wouldn't be a waiver wire show if I wasn't mentoring Ajay Spears, 26% rostered, literally now six for six shows. I brought this guy up and almost every single time he's been right here at the number five spot or even higher. He's now played 50% of the offensive snaps in four of the five games. Two of those games, he actually outsnapped the King himself, Derek Henry. And this week he outperformed him by a big stretch, 69 yards from scrimmage for Tajay Spears and a touchdown on just 11 touches. Four of those being catches, five targets, you know, nearly 19% target share there. Love to see it. 19 yard touchdown looking really explosive. You look at Derrick Henry, 16 touches, 62 scoreless yards, nothing overly exciting there. Tajay Spears bringing a lot more juice right now to this back line. The King just a week ago went bananas, running over everybody out there. But more consistent so far this year has been Tajay Spears. He actually has as many 10-plus yard runs as Derrick Henry, despite a third of the carries so far. He's averaging two more yards per carry than Derrick Henry, a very adept receiver. So as we've talked about this entire preseason there's all these waiver shows he is Tajay Spears the ultimate handcuff with benefits you could definitely toss him in flexes with now nine and then 17 PPR points across his last two he's certainly viable if you're desperate for that but of course the highest upside is if something happens to Derrick Henry he's right over around that age 30 cliff he's over the 1800 uh, carry cliff which we've seen claim many victims in the past so Derrick Henry, should he go down, you'd have a bona fide league winner here in Tajay Spears. And I don't even think injury is the only path to Tajay Spears taking over this role. They might just want to see what they got in the kid if they're out of playoff contention. They don't have Derrick Henry under contract till next uh, for next season. So maybe they just hand the keys over at some point. As we've talked about, the easiest playoff schedule, two dates with Houston, plus Seattle's abysmal run defense too, could be a true bonafide league winner should he take the reins but even without that very useful right now is Tajay Spears on to number four Emre DiMarcado <laughs> I never thought I'd be saying that name in 2023 but hey we now have the James Conner classic injury he's missed three plus games in every single professional career and now the next man up does look like DiMarcado only four percent rostered yet I think he's worth 20 to 25 percent of your fab Let's dive into why. After Connor's injury, DeMarcado played every single snap, all but one. And that was an empty backfield. No other running back touched the field other than DeMarcado. And now we have James Connor, short-term injured reserve, at least four games. He will be out. And before this week, DeMarcado was already getting kind of involved. 35% of that snaps in week four, you know, nearly half the routes, became that lead pass catching back. Had three catches, 24 yards on four targets. Just a week ago, nothing special, nothing earth shattering, but he was involved. It wasn't like this guy just came and popped out of the ground out of nowhere and hello, now I'm playing for football today. He has a 44940, 80th percentile, 105.8 speed squad, that's 83rd percentile. Given this guy's kind of thick, thicker than you'd imagine at 5'10, 215 pounds, built kind of like a fire hydrant. You love those type of players. Don't go down easy on contact, hide behind their line. I really like that. I that MJD, not quite as small as him, but it has kind of. Some of those markings do. 79th percentile for agility as well. Nice and shifty there for uh, Cardo here. And coming off a game, 10 carries, 45 yards, a touchdown there. And it was a bull, you know, barreling through uh, defenders there. And certainly looking quick in and out of his cuts. And I just remember the kid because I'm a big Blue fan. And he was a huge reason why the Blue ended up losing to TCU here. Kendra Miller, was Cardo backed him up all season. And when he finally got his number called, had to start against the big blue, Michigan. He had 17 carries and 150 yards and a touchdown there, looking like a beast in the biggest game of his career. Now he's going to be stepping up and likely starting. Yes, Keontae Ingram, he was the number one back for the entire preseason, most of the season so far to start. But then he missed two weeks with a neck injury. And neck injuries always sketchy. Who knows when? Keontae Ingram will be back, and even when he does come back, I don't think after DeMarcado's played so well, stepped up right now, that Keontae Ingram will just come in and take it. Now, if you're in deeper leagues and DeMarcado's going for way too much fab than you have right now, 
yeah, sure, Keontae Ingram is worth a stash because there is a chance that he ends up being the starter. He looked great this preseason. He was a guy who kind of took a few last-round stabs of those like, DraftKings 20-round best balls in case something did happen to uh, James Conner. So I do think he's worth a stash in very, very deep situations here. But certainly go to DeMar Carter first for the production that we've already seen, the role we've already seen, and now uh, he's going to definitely be the featured back, it looks like, for at least four weeks on this upstart and spunky guy. I like this Cardinals team still. So a uh, very, very solid line. Some of the highest yards uh, before contact in the league right now. So DeMar Cardo in a great setup to have some really viable running back to value for these next few weeks. Now, a lot of people might disagree. I have Jeff Wilson at number three. And no, it's not my undying love for the guy. That Jeff, sure, I do absolutely love him. Maybe I do have a body pillow and I sleep with him at night. I know David Campanelli has speculated that many times here, if I'm a common fan, and I can't confirm that it's wrong. I've always really liked Jeff Wilson just because he's such a hard-nosed, no-nonsense, lunch pail, get in there, go get your yards, and dominate. And he's a really, really solid fit for this zone scheme. Been playing in it for years with the 49ers and came over from the, the, the midseason trade. And after that trade, I think a lot of people forget he took that job over immediately from Raheem Mostert. 16.2, then 22.3 fantasy points in his first two games as a Miami Dolphin to Jeff Wilson have. Was the running back eight and running back seven in those two games. And then he got hurt after having 12 points in the first half against the Texans. Struggled to kind of regain his footing the rest of the year. Then wrap up, okay, solid in a committee. 11, 10, and 9.4 fantasy points. To wrap up the season was a top 30 running back for all three weeks. But those first couple games, what I cling to, he was looking damn solid. And we've seen that. Jeff Wilson put up three touchdown 30-point days multiple times across his career. Huge ceiling, which is, again, seems uh, just so hyperbolic and just nuts that I'm hyping up this guy to that point. But we've seen the ceiling here. And I think it's as high as ever, given how good this Miami just overall team has looked, but the run game, especially this year, has taken it to an even another level. Raheem Mostert, the running back one in fantasy for the first five weeks. Devon Achan, a top four running back, despite only playing like three weeks in the scheme. Who knows exactly how the work's going to get distributed from here on out, but Jeff Wilson has been activated. We know he's thrived in this offense before. No, he doesn't have the speed element that Mostert, Achan, some of these other backs that Mike McDaniel Covets has, but he has that touchdown nose for the end zone. Definitely has that type of role within him. And he played above Mostert most of the season last year, too, when he was healthy. So there is a chance that Mostert breaks down uh, or Jeff Wilson just comes in and, and gives a, a 40% role. He could be someone that's 40%. It's just one of those things where I want any piece of this offense I can get, and I'll pay 25 30% for somebody who I think could have a huge touchdown equity at minimum in this scheme. So Jeff Wilson, I, I love the guy. I think this is the best possible setup for him. You do want to also shout out here, though, Chris Brooks in the deeper leagues. Jeff Wilson's been on IR forever in my league. Somebody's been stashing him. Well, check out Chris Brooks. Uh, you might ask, who is this kid? Rookie, undrafted free agent out of BYU. But his lone action in this season was in week three. They were absolutely blowing out the Broncos. Salvin Ahmed was out with an injury. And then in comes Chris Brooks. Nine Gary's 66 yards averaging 6.6 yards after contact per attempt. That was more than A-Chan and Mostert in the game. He avoided just as many tackles as A-Chan and Mostert did in that game, despite less carries. Looking really impressive there. Now, it's only been 20 total snaps, but in those snaps, he has PFF's second highest grade among running backs. This Chris Brooks kid, again, very small sample, but when he's in, he looked good. In the preseason, he thrived. And so if something happened to Mostert, if Jeff Wilson is coming along slow in his recovery, at minimum, we do know he's now ahead of Salvin Ahmed, or at least it appears that way, given that Salvin Ahmed was a healthy scratch last week. Chris Brooks was not. And again, anybody that might get volume in this backfield, in this entire offense, I want a chunk of. <laughs> I will I will go after. So if you don't have the money to get Wilson or he's not out there in your league, but you have those deep benches, check out Chris Brooks. Could see this kid emerging in, re in, in upcoming weeks here. Number two. On my list, sticking at the running back position, is Roshan Johnson, 41% rostered, well worth 25 to 28%, maybe even 30% if you really need that running back here. I love this kid, and you're saying, well, if he's 41% rostered, obviously not out there in my league. Well, go check. Just because he was among the most dropped players following Thursday Night Football, he suffered a concussion. Given it was Thursday Night Football, good chance that he'll be ready to go 
10 days of rest here, typically about the schedule that it takes to clear that concussion protocol. No guarantee. And that's the risk about blowing all your fab to go get the guy is we don't know they'll exactly be out there, but what we do know is Khalil Herbert expected to miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. Right now they're weighing, putting him on the short, short-term IR to be at least four weeks. That's my expectation is that it will be what goes down. And Rashawn Johnson was already a coaching staff favorite here. Uh, he has been a solid 76.2 PFF rushing grade on the season. He's averaging 4.9 yards of pop on the ground, 5.3 yards per catch. And he's just, the, you look at the eyeball test, the kid's a bull. He's barreling over defenders, breaking tackles left and right. And this lines up to what we saw in college. He actually averaged more broken tackles per attempt than Bijan Robinson, his backfield mate over there in Texas. And I don't fault him for not having a crazy production profile in college, given that he's playing behind one of the most elite in the game in Bijan Robinson. I thought Roshan was a very, very impressive backup to him throughout his college career. Now, we haven't seen much of the NFL level yet. You know, week one was very impressive. 17 and a half fantasy points, running back eight, you know, six catches, seven targets. Everything was coming up Roshan. He hasn't done a whole lot since. In fact, he started to lose his grip on this backfield. We saw Khalil Herbert coming in for 70% or higher snap share in the past two weeks. But he's now hurt for at least the next four weeks. And I imagine Roshan Given the fact that Foreman's been a healthy scratch in the last uh, four weeks, I definitely could see Roshan being the first man up, assuming he's healthy. Now, if he's not, and even like, while we're waiting this out, you got to also consider stashing Donta Foreman, 7% rostered. I've long been a Foreman guy just because I'm a big back enthusiast, 233 pounds, six foot. Oh, absolute monster, a rumbler. And the guy can actually catch. I, I think he's pretty underrated as a pass catcher. We've seen him rip chunk gains after chunk gains, even as a receiver, though, before. And he could definitely be this number one back in week six if Roshan does not clear concussion protocol. You get the Vikings, who they've, they've stopped some backs, but they've also got ran all over by uh, DeAndre Swift, you know, Isaiah Pacheco bowling all over those defenders. That's the type of defense that will not, I don't think, handle Dante Foreman well. And last year, you know, yes, it was up or down after Christian McCaffrey was gone. It was a split backfield between him and Chuba Hubbard. But when the game flow was in his favor, when they were up, not often, but in those games when they were the favorites or leading, Dante Foreman had some monster games. This is just to kind of emphasize his ceiling. We don't need to go through all the duds, the 4.1, the 2.4s, the 0.9. There's definitely a low floor here. But ceiling, 16 and a half, 31.8, 19, 11.3, 22.5. Three games in the top six running backs as a starter. Just when he he's a volume guy. When he gets rolling, he's wearing out the defense, barreling into all game. You don't want to keep tackling the kid. And so I think Dante Foreman, certainly, if he's starting this week, warrants. Uh, he'll be a high-end running back, too, honestly, in my rankings, given the bye weeks. I'd give it that. And short Roshan, definitely the preferred option here. And even when, if, if let's say, Foreman starts this one week, Roshan, I think, will come right in and be the starter. Future weeks, but there is the chance Foreman starts, sees 25 carries, rips 120 yards, and doesn't really relinquish the job either. So both of these guys, my first choice being Roshan, my second choice being Donta Foreman, I definitely warrant your waiver wire consideration uh, so far. And we'll wrap it up now, Wolfpack, my number one pickup of the week drum roll. And while we're rolling for it, please do consider that thumbs up button. We'll get on to all your questions, our defensive streamers as well in a second. But that thumbs up would really do Help us grow so much. If you enjoy what you're hearing, if this content's helpful for you, please do consider liking, subbing, becoming a part of the pack. My number one pickup of this week, though, very rare, uncommon compared to most of the experts here. That's KJ Osborne. Seen him as low as like 10, 15, 20 on lists. I think this guy is the best waiver wire pickup this week, the best bet to be a immediate producer and potentially rest of season guy you can lean on especially if you need a wide receiver, only 12% rostered. I think you can pay 25, 30% of your fab. Not a unload the wallet, like we said, for Devon A. Chan, Jerome Ford, Kyron Williams, Puka. Not one of those guys, but we've seen a crazy high ceiling here that I don't think a lot of people are acknowledging. Let's talk about it. Six plus targets in 13 games across his NFL career entering this year. It hasn't been pretty this year so far, but entering this year from 2021 to 2022, he saw... 12 games, rather, of six or more targets. That's not that many, especially now that Justin Jefferson is out on IR for four weeks. You've got to imagine K.J. Osborne's getting at least six looks a week here. In fact, they've already come out and said 
that KJ Osborne is going to be the more immediate slide into Justin Jefferson's role. Whereas Addison, sure, he's going to see a nice uptick, but he's not playing the move around Justin Jefferson, getting to the slide. They're going to give that to KJ Osborne. Do I agree with that move? No. I think Jordan Addison definitely deserves to be the more heavily targeted guy, the more move around chess piece. But the coaching staff, the athletic, everybody's speculating that this is going to be the Osborne role. And you look at how he's produced when he's been actually used, and it starts to make sense why. In those games where he's seen six or more targets, he's averaged over 16 fantasy points per game. His season-long pace was 91 catches, 150 targets, 1,161 yards, and 11 touchdowns, 285 fantasy points. That would have been the wide receiver seven ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown last year for the pace of K.J. Osborne. It wasn't just one crazy blow-up. He's had 14 or more fantasy points in those games of six-plus targets. 10 of 12 games, 83% of the time he's hit 14 or more points. And yes, there has been some huge blowups too, 31.7. But I'll go down the entire list, 16.7, wide receiver 12, 18.9, wide receiver 11, 31.7, wide receiver 2, 7.7, dud, wide receiver 52, 18.3, wide receiver 15, 17.8, wide receiver 16, 17.3, wide receiver 18, 14.7, wide receiver 21, 19.8, wide receiver 13, 6.6, dud, 20.1, wide receiver 14, and 14.6. I know that was a la 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 but you could probably just hear over and over, double digits, double digits, double digits, top 15, top 15, top 15. K.J. Osborne has thrived when used. This last week saw nine targets right away with no Justin Jefferson. You know, in most of those, the final 15 minutes, four targets, 39 yards, three catches in that last quarter of action for K.J. Osborne immediately stepped right into that Justin Jefferson role. Now he gets Chicago, <laughs> joke secondary, come on. San Fran, very beatable through the air. It's one of the most stifling run defense in the league, but they definitely have weaknesses through the air. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they could probably swallow this Bears team, too. So maybe a little sketchy there. Uh, they had to swallow the Vikings, rather. Uh, and then you got Green Bay, Jair Alexander. I don't think he's just a shadow. KJ Osborne, Atlanta, eh, mediocre at best. So the schedule right now really isn't bad. And what if it's just more than those first four games without Justin Jefferson? So if they lose, if, God forbid, they trade Kirk Cousins – because they, they're trying to just put their eyes to the future, we see Justin Jefferson not come back this year. They might just decide it's not worth it. Why would we get our guy out here and risk potential further injury for our future franchise cornerstone? So there is a chance that KJ Osborne just remain the wide receiver one here the rest of the season, one of the most high volume in terms of attempts, in terms of total yardage, passing attacks. I know it's not the sexy pick. I know you bad probably want number one to be Roshan or one of these rookies, Amari, DeCarl. Nah. Uh, we've seen KJ Osborne thrive so well uh, when he is getting at least, again, just six targets. That's not that tall of an ask. So he has really performed huge here. And so uh, I do understand that argument. What about Justin Jefferson drawing the coverage? Is that going to really impact KJ Osborne? Sure could. I, I get that too. He's definitely benefited from that. But such a high ceiling. We've seen a, a solid floor too when he's finally getting used. So big, big KJ Osborne fan. He is my number one pickup. Again, 30% or so of your fab. Alrighty, Wolfpack, that wraps up our players for the night. We are now going to quickly cover my top six. Here's my top three week six defensive streamers. Starting at the top with the Jags. We got back-to-back -back weeks where they are now averaging over 12 fantasy points per game. Granted, that was in London where the Jags are more fired up than any team. But they really stifled that Bills offense. Call it jet lag. Uh, they finally woke up in the fourth, but they really played that Bills team really tough. Now they get an indie team that just lost Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Minshew, he's, he's a good of a backup as you can ask for. He's never been a huge turnover guy throughout his career, but the Jags have a top five run defense. That's what the Colts want to do, and that's what the Jags stop the most. He's tied. They're also tied right now second in terms of 11 takeaways in the NFL, league leading six fumbles forced. They could maybe pop a couple out of Zach Moss or Jonathan Taylor getting his legs under him. We've seen uh, Gardner Minshew. He has had fumbling concerns in the past two. Definitely a solid matchup for your Jags, only 16% rostered. Check for them. I might even like the Falcons more, though. I flipped these guys back and forth. They're seventh right now in the league in terms of total yardage defense, uh, and tenth in terms of points allowed. So a really solid defense. Total opponents right now is just 19.2 points per game. The big thing is that they haven't amassed too many big plays because their offense just controls the clock, bleeds it out, and they're just not that much of an opportunistic defense. 
However, you have the commanders coming in here. Sam Howell, only Daniel Jones has been sacked more than Sam Howell so far. Washington is also top three in turnovers, top three in sacks total. And now uh, that has led to the top four in terms of points allowed to defense. Despite being a decent scoring offense here, the commanders, they are a great matchup for fantasy defenses and a good spot for this Falcons team to finally have one of those big blow-up type of games. Last on the list, and certainly out there in your league, are the Las Vegas Raiders. And this doesn't go, it's not going to be a compliment to them. I do not think they're a great defense, although they did just have three interceptions on Jordan Love, two sacks, a 12-point day. <laughs> Max Crosby is an absolute animal. Love the guy. They're still not a great defense. However, they are facing the New England Patriots. <laughs> oh, it's going to become whoever's facing the Patriots, whoever's facing the Giants, light them up, put them on, on fire. We now have the Patriots scoring dead last in points, 11 per game. They lead the AFC in fantasy points surrendered to DF defenses right now. Top three in that metric as well. You've got to start any team against the Pats who have now given up 51 points to defenses in the last two weeks. 10 turnovers for the Pats on the year. Six interceptions from Matt Jones, second in the NFL there. They have only scored three points across their last two games, have not scored in the last 10 quarters. It is such a gross offense, such a terrible team. I'm a Pats fan, and I want to throw up every time I put the game on. So Raiders and whoever else is facing the Patriots the rest of the year is a must-start. And that's that's all I got to say about the Patriots. Oh, God. And that wraps up Wolfpack, all the content I have here. For my top 10 pickups, my streaming defenses of the week, it is now on to all of your questions. As we're wrapping through here, please do, again, consider that thumbs up button, likes, subs, retweets, shares, all that good stuff. It really does help us grow. Thank you again so much. Nico, I'll lead off the questions here. Lost Jefferson, do you pick up Osborne, even though Hawkinson will most likely get most of the throws? Yeah, I cited there. With Osborne, when he gets six or more targets, he has historically thrived. So I am a big, big fan of him. Yeah, Hawkinson certainly will eat too, but Osborne will play that more outside receiver role, get a bunch of roles. We've seen him take over games again, 31-pointer last year. He has upside. He has ceiling. He's always done well when he's used. So Nikola, I absolutely like K.J. Osborne this week. Who is more of a priority to get, JSN or Josh Downs? Rushing yard, great to see you as always. It really comes down to your team need. I hate to give a cop-out answer, but if you just need a stash, if you're not going to be using this guy anyways, it's got to be JSN, the higher upside talent, the, the better overall offense, um, just an injury away from being maybe a bonafide top 20 wide receiver the rest of the year. Whereas Josh Downs, if you need somebody to plug in this week, I trust him more than JSN for this week and probably the next couple of weeks. Certainly well, Gardner Minshew's at the helm, as we cited those stats earlier. So that really comes down to what you need rushing yard. Is it a bi-week plug-in? You need the streamer? Go downs. If you're just trying to stash someone on the bench and you want the high ceiling here, that's JSN. Omar F. I've got a number four waiver priority and 12-teamer. Should I be using it to try and get Wilson or DeMarcado with Connor going on IR? Ooh, that's a tough one, Omar. Another situation where you need to plug in DeMarcado to fill in for James Connor uh, is that, you know, a guy that you need to rely on immediately because DeMarcardo this week in the next four weeks, I bet you he's going to be a quality running back too. But Jeff Wilson, long-term, you know, we know Mostert's injury history. He's never made it through a full season. Maybe he did last year. I still think he missed a game. If he did last year, it was his first season. I know that. Uh, so Jeff Wilson at a, a certain point could definitely be making starts in the most lucrative running back environment, most friendly environment for any offensive player at this point. Uh, we know the touchdown upside is very real with Jeff Wilson. We know Mike McDaniels loves the guy and has consistently used him well. So the the ceiling is definitely Wilson long-term. The immediate play is DeMarcado. I have these guys right in the same tier, like 25% fab. It again comes down to team need and, and what you have to do. If you lost, uh, you know, if you lost James Conner and you need a plug-in or you just need somebody to fill your flex in for these bye weeks, go DeMarcado. You're just looking for a guy to put on the bench and, and hopefully – realize a, a humongous ceiling, that's Jeff Wilson. I don't know that anyone's going to have that type of ceiling that he potentially possesses right now. Giuseppe Russo. Drop Sky Moore or Josh Reynolds for DeMarcado? Sky Moore. See ya. <laughs> and I'm, why, what's the point of holding on to him? That's the don't drop Kyle Pitts in Dynasty. No. Well, why do you ask it, Giuseppe? Do you want to like, piss me off? 
and someday he's going to get a quarterback and he still is a complete athletic freak dropping Kyle Pitts for Logan Thomas <laughs> is asinine maybe Musgrave but even then these young exciting talents in a dynasty league you cannot be dropping if it was a redraft league absolutely I'd drop either one for it but no come on Logan Thomas is like 33 he's got maybe one two more years you could be dropping a franchise tight end for yourself there Emily Collier Emil thoughts on Jeff Wilson so I definitely gave that uh I thought early, but in terms of startability, well, first we got to see him activated. They did uh, open up the practice window, but it does not mean he'll be active this week. Now, if he is active, yeah, he certainly has touchdown upside. He'll probably slide into my top 30, 35 running backs. So could very well be playable, but we have a lot of uh, week left here, Collier, to uh, figure out. Uh, Lomi asking, hey, Wolf, thoughts on Brian Robinson? Oof. I mean, pretty game flow dependent. Love the player. So hard-nosed, my type of runner. But yeah, I, th- this team is not good, and that means they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and that means Brian Robinson's going to get flowed out like we just saw. They're going to get flowed out by the Bears. I mean, come on. In a division with the Eagles, Cal- like this is not a great setup for him. So yes, I would definitely move him straight up for Watson. I, it doesn't seem like you need, though. You don't really need either position because you have Kyron Bijan. I might just keep the depth at running back in that case because you know you, you already have St. Brown, DJ Moore, Flowers, Nico Collins. like. Christian Watson is probably below all those guys, whereas B-Rob at least gives you some depth at the position. So given your team, I don't know that I'd make the move. In a vacuum, I do prefer Christian Watson to Brian Robinson. But I don't know about your team, Lomi. I don't know that I would do that because you just got such good depth. <laughs> I don't think you need to. Van Jackson, yeah, no, I wouldn't drop either of those guys. I mean, neither of those guys are must-hold. I think Michael Wilson will rebound. Um, Eli Mitchell is still one of the better handcuffs in the league. I don't think Van Jefferson's going to do anything. He hasn't done anything yet, so nah. Just traded Kamara and Jamo for Henry and Watson. What do you think? I like it. I, I like it a lot. Um, see, I know I talk about Henry potentially hitting that cliff, but we've said that for years, and, and I, well, I haven't said that. I've loved Derrick Henry, but we've heard the, the rumblings of the cliff approaching. Um, I think Watson's a significant upgrade over Jamo. Kamara and Henry may be an equal, but Henry certainly in long term has a better ceiling. So yeah, I love the deal. Um, so so there you go. Good trade. Eli Mitchell worth dropping. You could drop him. It just depends on what. Like if you want to go for Demarcado over Eli Mitchell, yeah, I absolutely would. Um, you know, something of that nature. It's such a great handcuff, but also, you know, does Eli ever stay healthy? Is Jordan Mason the real handcuff there? Things to consider. So I don't think Eli is a must-hold by any means. Brandon Powell over... Nah, I don't think so. Lomi asking Brandon Powell over Michael Wilson, Jonathan Mingo, or Elijah Mitchell. I don't think so. I'm intrigued to see what he does. Yeah, he did come right in and get six targets right in the absence of J-Jeff. So he's been a preseason hero before. He could emerge. But I like all three, maybe over Mingo. If there's one I would drop him for, it'd be Mingo. But I'd probably rather keep Mingo as Bryce Young continues to show more promise. Losing record in all leagues, too. It's what's going on. Still in playoff contention. There we go. you got to have that second half. I don't know how long it takes till JT takes back over is his question here, though. Moss looks damn good. You'd think it would be as early as this week. Big contract. Let's get our guy out, get him rolling. I don't know. That's what worries me about JT now is Moss has looked so good. That even with the big money going to JT, I can't imagine it's anything more than like a 60-40. I could see Moss really being a thorn in his side all year. Uh, and then if Richardson comes back, then you got the vulture at touchdown. So I, I'm a little bit worried that JT won't truly hit his ceiling at this point. Drop Jamison or Jaden Reed for Osborne? Yeah, I'd drop Reed for sure first. And then I'd drop Jamison still, but I would drop Reed first. Thoughts on Gibbs rest season? Emil, I'm worried, you know. 25% of the carries, Montgomery looking as good as he is. Now we got a hammy thing. It's I don't know why they spent the 12th overall pick on him, traded away DeAndre Swift to give him a, a lesser than DeAndre Swift role. But, hey, I, I'm worried. Yeah, uh, such a great talent, but talent doesn't matter if it's not on the field. Thoughts on Algier? Eh. I, yeah, sure, if he's out there, I, you could drop, Ming, drop Mingo Lomi. You know, pick up Algier. 17 carries this week. He, he's clearly got that hammer role. Certainly worth uh stashing there two wins in a row fatty love to hear it climbing the ranks uh d hop to the com- oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i don't even need to know the rest of your team I, I don't care you could have a million running backs and you still do that deal yes 
Do it. And two wins in a row, baby. We knew that would give that hope, Fatty Mateo. We're going to keep rolling, baby, especially with a deal like that. Come on. T. Higgins has a broken rib. I don't know. I, I don't know what his value is. Who knows if he's even going to play Johara. So he ris- he's risky. He- what a bust this year, unfortunately. But the- in the positive note, it did look like, you know, Burrow's back. He was really stepping into his throws, moving around. And that's going to really benefit T. Higgins if and when he's back. I do think he's the- I-, I agree with you, Riley. I think DeMarcado is the workhorse by default, as your comment says here. Fatty Mateo, Wolf, what does Thielen have to do to convince you he's a stud? You have him nine below the ECR at 30, despite top 10. I mean, he has, what, 23.9 fantasy points per game across since week one. You know, he had a dud in week one. He has been an absolute monster. He, he is insane. 29% target share, 23.9 points per game. I get it. I actually, uh, my biggest blunder of the year so far, Fatty, after week one, I was fed up with Thielen and I cut him. And I regret it so, so bad. He's been a monster. So, yeah, maybe I am being a little too disrespectful. It's less about Thielen. It's more about Bryce Young, but he's clearly still getting it done with him. RB getting thin again with HN going down. Would you rather – oh, Charlie, great to see you, by the way. Would you rather cut Mims or Jamison Williams or both? I think I'd rather keep Mims. I I, I love stashing them both. Um, but you got to cut one. I would probably cut JMO. I just – I think Sutton, Judy, there's going to be a fire sale in Denver. Uh, they've already talked about it. They're not bashful about advertising. They're going to be big sellers. So I think Mims is by default going to get a starting role soon. And, and the metrics he's putting up per route, per, you know, all that efficiency is insane. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like I like keeping him over. <laughs> What's up, Mark? Great to see you. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck, Pug. Good luck, Pug. Can't wait to beat that ass this week, baby. Uh, this is a big battle for us here. This is uh, Mark's in my Holy Cross League, uh, the boys, the college boys here. And I've been largely irrelevant for the last couple seasons after winning, uh, what, one, two early in, uh, in my career. But back to four and one, getting the, the weekly high score without a kicker last week. The boys are rolling. Locker room vibes are great. Mark, you're, you're, you're in for an ass whooping. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. BS, Matt Harmon has Thielen. Hey, you know I love Matt Harmon, so I, I got to reconsider where I am. I appreciate the uh, the call. Would you rather have Tony Pollard or Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup, two boys, and they're scary pops. <laughs> love the name here. But, yeah, Cooper Cup is up to my number five for us to season big board. If you want to check that out at roastreetjournal.com, right up there in the menu. Um, I have Cooper Cup uh, above Tony Pollard. XY Zippa, is it worth dropping Ferguson for Thomas? Who, who's Thomas? Michael Thomas? Does it make a difference? To, was it like <laughs> Ian Thomas? Oh, Logan Thomas, <laughs> the guy I hyped up. Uh, yeah, I'd probably actually rather have Logan Thomas than Ferguson. It is a guessing game, um, but I think it makes a difference. Tight end seen 11 targets running as many routes as he is. Ferguson's been producing, but the underlying usage has not been great here for him. So I'd actually prefer Logan Thomas, yeah. But I wouldn't like burn a, a high waiver priority to do that either. Turbert droppable for Spears. Running back four, likely never see playing time. I, yeah, I'd rather have Spears on my bench. If you're never going to be playing Herbert, you actually would play Spears if Henry goes down. And if Herbert's not going to be in there, yeah, he's droppable, I guess. You know, I love what Herbert was doing, though. But, yeah, I mean, who knows what he'll be after that high ankle sprain. Need to drop two. Oof. QC. I don't know who QC is, XYZ. Is that Quentin Johnson? QC? I'm not dropping Tank Dell. London looked good this last week, and I love London, the player. I think the Ritter roller coaster is a little bit more sketched than Tank Dell and, and Stroud. I don't know who QC is, but I'm probably dropping him. Uh, what if Spears gets hurt? Uh, and it is uh, 9.20. I'm going to call this at 9.30. looks like we'll be able to get through the rest of these, but just as a heads up, I'm calling it then. Uh, what if Spears gets hurt? <laughs> I mean, the Derrick Henry he rips more. And anybody can get hurt. I get it, but he's not the featured back, so he's less likely to. He's got less tread on his tires, so, you know, it could happen, sure. Then Henry gets more receiving work, and it's even better for him. Joe Sabiani, okay, drop. Yeah, you can drop Eli Mitchell, and I would pick up uh, DiMarcado of those guys, then Foreman, then Miller. <coughs> I would go uh, Osborne. I, I rank them all Rico for a reason. <laughs> if Osborne's my number one guy, he's going to be above the other ones. So, I mean, I'm not going to dive into that too much. If all my questions get ruled out late and I need a flex hail Mary, Foreman, Wandale, or Tony, you got to be Foreman. Uh, better bet for the touchdown of all those guys, Charlie. Which three running backs do you play this week? Mixon, Monty, Walker, or Kyron? Walker for sure. Monty for sure. Probably Kyron against Arizona there, Nicolas. So, Bench and Mixon. 
Swift and Laporta for Kelsey and Pickens. Ah, Mike Tom. I'd rather have Pickens there. I'd probably just keep the Swift and Laporta side, though, Vanilla Gorilla. Great name, by the way. Uh, I'd rather have Swift and Laporta. It's not a powerful deal, but I'm not itching to make that deal. Um, any changes? I don't know. It looks like a good roster there, Rico Baptiste. I don't know. You, you let me know. Um, but I, I like that a lot, especially Brees Hall running into form for you. Sad Riley, last question of the stream. Last Lost Jefferson, brutal. Uh, should I move any running back for receiver? You have such big depth, so yes. I would say you can probably get okay value for – I mean, none of those running backs are great. You have good receivers. Your receivers are certainly better than running backs. I would see if you could package like Watson and Robinson and uh, really get a stud, but your receiver depth is fine. Your running backs are what's more worrisome here, Sarah. Um, all like mediocre twos with a lot of warts to them, especially James Cook these days. So could you? Sure. But your receivers, I still feel like your depth is great. Like that's why you draft a ton and that's why you have a lot of depth there. So I think you're okay at receiver. I would not probably be moving your running backs because they're more sketchy. I would be trying to package a receiver and running back to get a more consistent running back uh, than these guys here. Hardy Wolfpack. Thank you again so much. One last call for that thumbs up as you head on out. Really, really appreciate it. If you're new around here and you like what you heard, please consider that sub button. I'll be live again Thursday. My man, the truth previewing Thursday night football, getting all your sit starts answered to kick off the week. Can't wait. Hopefully you join us then in a world for fancy sheep guys, be the wolf roastreetjournal.com is where you can find all our constant content where we breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Later guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Stole the